I was thinking about something the other day. In the wake of Oklahoma's blowout loss to TCU, not surprisingly, there's been a lot of doom and gloom coming not only from the Oklahoma fan base, but the OU beat media. I'm part of it. We all talk. Is this reaction warranted? Well, yeah, absolutely. Oklahoma doesn't get run like that, unless, of course, Oklahoma is playing one of the best college football teams of all time. Think back to LSU 2019. But what I was thinking is Sooner fans and media alike haven't had the shocked by how bad Oklahoma played and lost muscle worked out in years. Again, that LSU loss in 2019, that came in a game when Oklahoma was a decent underdog. No reasonable person who had watched both teams play in 2019 thought that the Sooners were going to win that game. But back to the TCU game, how far back do we have to go to find a loss similar to what we saw last Saturday in Fort Worth? I was thinking of the 2014 Russell Athletic Bowl when Oklahoma was completely dominated by Clemson 40-6. to Coincidentally, Brent Venables was on the other sideline that night. But that was a bowl game. Not quite the same as OU being favored in a regular season Big 12 road game against a team Oklahoma was favored to beat. Also, earlier in 2014, Baylor smoked the Sooners in Norman 48-14. You all remember it. It was the infamous game where Bryce Petty literally took what OU gave them over and over again on a third quarter drive that resulted in a Baylor touchdown, putting the Bears ahead 31-14. to OUDB Julian Wilson was seen on the sidelines yelling at Mike and Bob Stoops. It wasn't great. That game may qualify as the last time OU fans worked out those outraged, shocked, and concerned muscles, but Baylor was really good that year, ranked 10th at the time, so it wasn't all that surprising the Bears beat Oklahoma, but losing by 34 points certainly was not expected. Now, there were some head scratchers during the Lincoln-Riley era. Think back, 2017, that home loss to Iowa State. 2019, that road loss at K-State. It was super frustrating, but OU made the score look a lot better in the end, only losing by a touchdown. Not quite the same as getting run off the field in the first half at TCU. Then, of course, there was the 2020 home loss to Kansas State. Basically, K-State just has Oklahoma's number of late, and it's super weird. But none of the losses in the Lincoln-Riley era led to all of us feeling the way that we feel right now. What a weird season, and what a weird position Oklahoma finds itself in with Texas on deck. I don't think OU's as bad as we saw on Saturday against TCU. I think the Sooners are probably closer to the team that we saw through the first three games than the team we saw the last two weeks. But that's me giving Oklahoma and Brent Venables the benefit of the doubt. Another poor defensive performance, and that benefit will wane. Unfortunately, a better defensive game this Saturday against the Longhorns probably won't matter if Dylan Gabriel can't play. Again, what a weird position for this Oklahoma team to be in. And all of us who've been following this program for years and years. You know, it's a muscle we don't work out very often. And a muscle that I'd prefer to leave sedentary for the rest of the 2022 season. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Hey, welcome into another edition of West of Everest. Big thanks to everyone who's recently left us a five-star rating on Spotify. We always appreciate that. 
As always, you can leave ratings and reviews as well on iTunes if you still use that to listen to the show, which I know a lot of you still do. Well, a big one this week in Dallas, and there's a lot of unknowns surrounding Oklahoma football. The biggest question, of course, will Dylan Gabriel play in the game? Not surprisingly, Brent Venables did not provide any updates on Gabriel during his Tuesday news conference. In fact, Venables did not update anybody, did not talk about anybody who's potentially uh, out or limited with an injury. So we really don't have a whole lot to go on with who will be available to play Saturday at the Cotton Bowl. Now, because of all those uh, injury question marks, not just with Gabriel, but with players like Billy Bowman, uh, Wanye Morris, for example, I guess maybe even Eric Gray kind of got nicked up, uh, even though Gray talked to the media on Monday night and he was in full pads and stuff, so he's practicing. So I, I don't know if he's really problematic or not. But anyways, there's, there's names and there's, there's injuries and stuff out there. So I'm kind of surprised that there's a line for this game, for this OU Tech game, because normally, especially if the quarterback is questionable or they're not sure for a game, there's no line on it. They don't put it out there because obviously – People could come in and bet a bunch on a certain number that they think is going to be, uh, you know, lower than it will end up being. And then the books could end up losing a lot of money. So anyways, the fact that there's a line on it is interesting. And last I checked, it was Texas minus seven. But I did check again about 10 minutes ago and a little bit of money has come in on Oklahoma. It's now Texas minus six and a half. So anyways, it opened up Texas minus five. We can talk about the line later in the show or whatever if Grant's interested or not. I, I just kind of find it interesting. Uh, if Dylan Gabriel's not playing in this game, call your bookie right now. Hammer Texas before it gets to double digits because if it gets announced that Gabriel is going to be out, that number's going to climb, climb, climb. And if you get Texas under a touchdown, heck, that's a pretty good bet, I think, right now, especially if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play. But this is not a sports betting podcast. This is an Oklahoma football podcast. And you're here for us to talk about OU football, especially uh, now that OU Texas is coming up. And speaking of OU football, I'll turn it over to my OU football counterpart for the first time, Grant Benson. Grant, what's going on? Nothing much. Weird week it's been so far. Very, very weird week. Typically, this, uh, this week's a lot more exciting, a lot more anticipation. It's kind of caused me to... I, I don't really know where to go in this podcast, Lee, because as of where we are right now on this Wednesday, I don't know if I can think of an OU game that I am that I am less excited about in my fan over the history of my fandom than this game on Saturday. That's just kind of where we are right now. I don't know what to do with that feeling. It sucks. I'd be curious if there's fans out there that feel the same way as you, because I'm definitely in your boat as well. Since I've been at news nine, I started at channel nine in Oklahoma city in the fall kind of early November, 2016. And ever since then, when it comes to OU Texas, I have not been able to go. I'm always the one back at the station in Oklahoma City anchoring the sportscasts. And, you know, of course, Dean gets to go to the game. He always is. And then as far as his photographers, it's always been my coworkers that have gone. So for the first time since I've been at News 9, I'm going to Dallas for the game. And it's this game. It's this matchup. It just feels... It just feels crappy. That's not the greatest way to describe it. It just It's like it's almost kind of like, could it go any other way? I, I finally get to go to the game, and especially if Dylan Gabriel doesn't play, I just don't see that there's going to be any chance Oklahoma can, can win this football game. Uh, if Gabriel does play, I think Oklahoma can win. We can talk about that as we go on. But to your point, I don't know, man. Gabriel took a pretty nasty hit. All the concussion 
information in the news right now. Everyone's talking about Tua Tungavailoa. It's kind of out there. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's going to factor into Dylan Gabriel's status, as I, I doubt it will, because there's a baseline. I'm sure there's tests and everything like that. We're not going to know about his status probably until Saturday morning. But man, if he doesn't play, that's, that's kind of what it feels like to me in a way. But you could you could talk me into him maybe playing, and I'm sure I, I think you might try to do that, you know, later in the show. But what I'm trying to say here is that yeah, this game presently on Wednesday evening, I'm not so sure I'm that excited about it because I just don't know if Oklahoma has really a chance to win. And yeah, and and, and a lot of it has to do with because it does. It kind of feels like OU is teetering on the edge here and they might go into this game with their backup quarterback who looked really, really bad in, in the two and a half quarters that he played against TCU. So it does kind of feel like that OU is going into by far the most important game of their season, by far the most important game of Brent Venables' tenure thus far and it feels like they're going into it without, you know, kind of with an empty holster. Definitely not a full deck of cards, it feels like. Um, and also, coming off of, I, you know, I, I think their worst regular season performance as a program, at least since 2014, before then, I, you know, I, I don't even know. Um, so I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you your thoughts on that. So, yeah, you don't even know? Uh, like, but prior to 2014, what would have been the worst Yeah, one? yeah. I mean, because... Like, was there a situation where OU was a, you know, I mean, they weren't massive favorites over TCU. They were only about a, you know, touchdown, not even that. It was under a touchdown. But, you know, TCU's not ranked and just wiped the floor with them. You know, when's the last time that happened? To an a, unranked a team? Situation? I don't think that's, yeah. I don't think that's happened since Stoops got to OU. I would say, I mean, there's been the 2013 and 2014 games against Baylor were, were arguably just as uncompetitive as the game last week, but those Baylor teams were are just were a lot better than that TCU team that OU played on Saturday. What about I was looking at previous seasons. I got to 2010. I want to say it was 2010, maybe 2010 or 2011. Uh, you know, I don't remember this game at all. I'll be honest with you. But tell me about going to A&M it must have been 2010 was that the last yeah, year that was 2010 was that was their last that was their last loss in 2010 um so what about that game I remember uh that game definitely wasn't like a whitewash I mean they didn't get smoked it was a game in which Texas A&M deserved to win I think was probably leading the entire time but oh you had a chance to win that game in the fourth quarter they did not get run off the field okay because I was looking back, A&M was unranked and the final score ended up being double digits I think it was like 33 to 19 or something so two couple touchdowns it's like i'm trying to think so, of yeah I mean, I, you know i'm trying to think of other programs it's like you hope you remember i think it was 2018 ohio state went into iowa city to play kind of a a middling iowa team and they lost by like five touchdowns you're you know that happened yeah. i think like in november of that year and i you know there was a lot more Ohio State up to that point that that was good up to that point, so it was probably a lot easier to write that one off as just sort of a of a fluke. But I, just other kind of big time programs like OU, that was the only thing that, you know, um, that was the only game that I could think of as that was maybe similar to this one. Um, for OU in general, I don't know. Mate, you go back to two thousand and seven; they went on the road and lost to a really bad Colorado team, but they lost they lost at the gun in that game. They didn't get mm -hmm. run off the field. Although I mean that was that was a really bad team that they lost to, that sucked. But it wasn't you know wasn't losing by thirty one points. 
it's tough. I mean, it was this is this is uncharted territory, which probably partly explains why I'm feeling this right now. And it just it sucks. They're three and two. Like I said, they're teetering on the edge, and they're going into you know this. They're going into Texas week, and I you know I understand that Texas is three and two, and I'm sure that Texas still has a long way to go to to where they want to be, but. Texas is a lot better this year than they were last year. At least that's what my eyes tell me. All right, let's table the Texas talk real quick. I'll ask you, do you think we're going to see Dylan Gabriel playing on Saturday? So anything that we say at this point in time is just a guess. It's a total guess. Nobody has any inside info. Um, Put a gun to my head right now. I'm leaning towards he plays. That's what I'm leaning towards. Um, Thought process there is that... um, he was up walking around on the sidelines after the hit, after the game. He didn't have to be carted off or anything like that. Didn't look like he was struggling too much while he was walking uh, you know, around the sidelines. He also, he also was up and he was throwing at practice on Monday. We haven't had any, any, sort, of, um, any sort of update since then, which means he is squarely within the protocol. And so my guess, this is my motivated reasoning here, is that I think people probably are letting what happened to Tua probably affect their thinking on this a little too much. Um, and maybe it, is, maybe it is a factor. Maybe maybe that's a factor of the decision makers who, who are, who are going to make this decision for Dylan later this week. I don't know. Um, something tells me, though, but we see people come back in a week from concussions all the time. That happens all the time. And I think people are kind of just like, they have the Tua thing in the back of their mind, which we didn't talk about um, last year. The Tua thing was, was horrifying. That was one of the hardest things I've 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 watched while watching football in my life. That was really difficult to watch. And so I understand why the, you know, that emotional side of everything. But I don't know if that should that should really play a factor in this at all. Dylan is a totally different person. Is a totally different hit. I don't know. I you know, the hit reminded me a lot of the hit that Baker Mayfield took against TCU in 2015. Um and then he came he, he came back a week later and played in Bedlam and he was fine. Good stuff there, and you know the, the. I actually, you know, I, I mentioned that you might talk me into thinking that maybe he will play. I, I will admit, I do. The, the one thing that makes me think that he will play, and it, it's from the from uh, Sunday, the fact that they ever put a line on the game that they didn't just make uh, that that the 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 bookies didn't take Texas OU off the board. The fact that immediately there was a line for it kind of made me think huh all right maybe they know something that we don't know and maybe he's even though it's just after it happened maybe he's more on track to play than than we think because man those bookies the the books and stuff like they're there's some crazy inside info that goes into that stuff and so I just in my history of following football and following sports betting in general when there's question marks with a quarterback I mean just watch the rest of this season in the NFL for example if there's any sort of issues or question marks with the quarterback there's probably not going to be a line on that game until there's a little more information on what uh, whether the quarterback's going to play or not so the fact that there is an immediate line on this game kind of makes me think that yeah maybe he is going to be on track to play uh, but what makes me kind of like ah eh, this may have been more of a you know more of a, a negative or bad hit than we thought is like the fact that he was on the ground as long as he was I mean it looked like maybe he got knocked out for like a split second or, or longer. I mean, like he wasn't moving for, I mean, I don't know, five, ten seconds or so. At least it yeah. looked like to me. Maybe I'm wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I like, and I don't think yeah. we've gotten, we haven't gotten any sort of definitive answer on that at all. No. 
So, yeah, I mean, if, 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 it, if it's, like, confirmed to me that he lost consciousness, and then, yeah, I mean, my, my feelings on it would change pretty, pretty radically. This is not me calling my shot at all. It's just me. This no, is I just, know. I know. This is just kind of where I'm feeling as, you know, we're how I'm feeling here. as of 5 o'clock we're on We're just podding it up. Yeah, we're just giving our opinion, you know, with, with very little information because we don't have any. Yeah. And that's on purpose. And also you know, maybe part of this is give out info. I, I, I like to think that he will play because I, I'll go back to you. If he doesn't play, it it strains credulity to think that, oh, you can win this game. I, I just I don't. <laughs> it's I I'm really struggling to come up with realistic scenarios that do not involve weird, crazy college football mojo. How oh, you can win this game without Dylan Gabriel. Well, here you go, Mr rivalry games are just different guy here you go here's a perfect example i've never seen ou i've i've seen ou <laughs> I, i've seen texas execute in situations like this being able to rise to the occasion and and have some weird mojo and, and pull stuff like this out i've never seen ou in a, in, in a situation like this <laughs> actually pull through and win a game unless you want to count well, to be fair though OU's I, i'd like say never the, in the, the situation the closest though. that would be the, the last time I went into an OU football game and I thought there is zero chance they can win this game was the 2013 Sugar Bowl against Alabama. And it took, it took Trevor Knight absolutely pulling a performance out of his butt that he was never able to replicate again in his entire career. Yeah, that's a good point. Although that was a bowl game. You know, the, I mean, you can argue what, where the stakes were for that. I mean, bowl game, big, but it, I mean, it wasn't a playoff game. It wasn't a national title game, but it was a BCS game. Or, yeah, it was still BCS era. So, yeah, big game. I mean, you should want to win that game. And, yeah, Trevor Knight was fantastic in that one. And uh, it worked out. So, I mean, to be fair, though, Oklahoma's very rarely in these spots where they're an underdog, uh, especially against you know, a rival like this. I mean, I, I guess I should probably double-check this. Maybe you've heard this stat, but... I thought I heard somebody say this is the first time OU's been a dog to Texas since 2009. 2009, we were at that game. We were at that game, yeah. And and who won? Texas sure did. And I don't know what the number was in that game. I'm not sure if Texas covered or not, but it was a low-scoring game. What was the final score like? Uh, I believe it was, God, it was 16 to 13. That sounds right. That does. There's a lot of field goals. A lot of field goals. And I just I rem- yeah, because uh, I remember because it was. 16 to 13. OU had the ball at like near midfield and Landry threw a pick and it kind of seemed like yeah, that was the game. And as Texas was driving down the field, they got the ball within the 10 and then McCoy threw threw a pick inside the 10-yard line. Is it is Dominique Franks or Brian Jackson? I can't remember which one. Um he returned it like to the 40 and I think it was McCoy who got him, but it was McCoy who saved the pick six. You remember that? Oh, it was Brian Jackson. Of course. It was right in our end zone. I mean, we had a great view of it. And it looked like when he made the play, it was all green grass. But the problem was they were so deep in Oklahoma territory that he had way too long to go. And, yeah, he got, he got caught. He got tripped up. And I'm it's fairly like, certain why did Landry that threw, so uh, threw another pick very, like, very shortly after that to Earl Thomas, who was, who was not very well known at that, at that point in time. Well, he had a couple of picks in the game as I look back at the box score. And you're correct. It was 16 to 13. Look at you. That's a, that at was you. an interesting game, man. That was because that was the one right, where where Bradford came back from the AC joint sprain after missing three or four games, and uh, he he got hurt again in the game. And I remember him him getting kind of ragdolled on the hit, him standing up, and then him collapsing to the ground again 
um, after he said, because you could tell that like all like the pain hit him there, and he, just, he 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 collapsed to the ground, and he was writhing in pain. And I remember when he collapsed to the ground. You know, when you're at OU Texas, one of the one of like the worst, but also one of the coolest things is seeing the other side of the stadium react to things because you don't really ever get to see it that clear. But man, when Bradford fell to the ground after that play, that was the loudest the Texas fans cheered the entire game. They oh, went come on. nuts. They erupted. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Like they, that meant like they erupted because they knew we just won the game. <laughs> that, that was that that was you know i every once in a while in this podcast whenever we talk about these games that happened when we were in school or when we were you know before we went to college at ou you know i, I do like to point out that man if we were still at ou and we were listening to a podcast which podcasts in 2008 2009 were just at the very forefront i, I feel like the first time i listened to a podcast was like 2010 2011 maybe but anyways, or like not even a podcast, just a radio show. Us talking about the 09 OU Texas game is the equivalent of us in college hearing people reminisce about like the 95 OU Texas game. And I just think back to myself thinking like, dude, that was a million years. This is what I would have thought if I was in college. Man, I don't care about the 95 OU Texas. Bob Stoops wasn't even here yet. Get out of here. This is, that's us. That's us right now. We're, we're those guys talking about the old... The old side. I, I, I just think it's I love different. Pointing that I think it's out. a little different because stuff from that era is a lot more accessible than the other stuff ever was. As far as you can go back and find it on YouTube, real easy. Yeah, you know? and there's still, and even like even like I'm, I'm trying to think, even if there's like 19, 20 year old you know OU fans right now who are in school at OU right now, even think they know who Sam Bradford and Demarco Murray are. They watched them play in the NFL I'd at some so, point yeah. in time. You yeah, know what I mean? That's true. That was never the case yeah. for '90s. Oh, you guys. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good point. Okay, well. Okay, so I got to hear in the prompter. The prompter. <laughs> this is not TV. I got to hear in the rundown. Uh, you talked about it a little bit. If Dylan Gabriel doesn't play in this game, can, like, how does Oklahoma win? I mean, we both don't think they can win. Like, how does that even manifest itself? I, like, first real, of all. It's tough, realistically. Yeah. I mean, but it's. The, the formula is going to be exactly the same no matter how you, how you want to chop it up. Their, off, their offensive line is going to have to play really well. They're going to have to control the clock. They're going to have to completely change their, what they want to do on offense. Um, and their, their defense is going to have to force a lot of turnovers. And they'll probably have... I was talking to Dusty about this the other night. You need to make yeah, a special teams is... play too. Probably got to return a kick for a touchdown. Something like that too. Yep. That's that's what Dusty said. He said they got to get a score on defense or on special teams or you know something that block you know, a punt, really return it for, block around. a kick, return it for a touch. It's gonna it's gonna take stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, Brent Venables mentioned that three quarterbacks will be taking snaps this week uh, just in case Dylan Gabriel can't go. So he did not commit to Davis Bevel being you know the backup quarterback to Dylan Gabriel, and so I guess in theory there's a chance that it's not Davis Bevel. You know, it's, 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 you know, it'd probably be general booty if it's not Davis Bevel Bevel. And we haven't really, we haven't seen any of general booty. We don't know what he looks like. He was a Juco guy. Uh, have no idea. I mean, the way I look at it is there, here's a question that's left unanswered. Did Davis Bevel win the backup quarterback job on merit or strictly based on experience? Because he has more experience in FBS football than general booty. And obviously Nick Evers, who's a freshman. Now, if he won it, 
strictly on merit, then that tells us that Booty and Evers are even worse. And oh my gosh. Now, if he won the job just strictly based off of experience, okay, then there's an open question of could a player like General Booty or I don't know, even Nick Evers provide more of a spark or more talent than what we saw from Bevel against TCU? And again, these are questions we don't know the answer to. We're just speculating. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, so do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, like, uh, th- does it matter, really? I mean, I don't even know. I have no clue. And this is like, <laughs> I, this, has been a, this has been a huge, and like, you know, you go on Sooner Scoop or, or anything like that this week. It's been, been a, a, obviously a large topic of conversation. I, this is, OU fans are, are pretty simpatico on this. OU fans are pretty, pretty terrified of Davis Bevel taking snaps in this game on Saturday. Um, and I mean, they're completely justified in thinking so. You know, that, that been said, I, I don't, General Booty or Nick Evers don't give me all, you know, don't give me the warm and fuzzies all over either. In fact, if you actually I like mean, the main difference is, is that we haven't seen them. That's so, like, the only the difference. Unknown. And honestly, yeah, like I think it's more like I what's what do you put more stock into? How terrible Davis Bevel looked last week against TCU, which put a, put a, put a lot of stock in there all you want. He looked terrible, like to the point where I'm 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 pretty much done with it. But is he closer to that, or is he closer to the game manager type who started the Cotton Bowl last year? who he lost, they weren't good, they weren't explosive or anything like that, but he didn't turn the ball over, and he completed 14 of 18 passes. I, I, hope, I, I hope he's closer to the guy who started the Cotton Bowl, but even then, if he is closer to that guy, that's not good enough for them to win the game. So, no. But no. also, I just, I, I don't know anything about General Booty and Nick Evers. General Booty has had really good Juco highlights, had really good Juco tape. Nick Evers had pretty mediocre high school tape, and he played on a losing team. I'm not, I don't really know what to, the guy, like, the one thing that would have kind of perked my ears if he would have said that Micah Bowens is involved in this, and he clearly is not. (laughs) He clearly is not involved. So, man, I I don't know. This is, it doesn't look good. This isn't, I mean, it does not look good. I I don't really think, OU can't win this game if Dylan Gabriel does not play unless, unless they run for 400 yards, unless the offensive line just all of a sudden eats and they're just they're doing stuff that Texas just can't pick up in the run game. But does anybody actually feel like that's realistic? No. And by the way, uh, I don't know because I'm a psychopath. I just I looked this up because I heard somebody talking about Davis Bevel and the Cotton Bowl. Or, it was the Peach Bowl. I'm sorry. Yes, the Peach yes, Bowl. The Peach actually, Bowl. The Peach Bowl. Did you? Uh, so Davis Bevel, he didn't. He did, he actually didn't even start that game. It was somebody else. <laughs> So was he the third string quarterback at Pitt? Because that would make a lot more sense after watching the TCU game. Uh, I don't know if somebody named Nick Patty was the starting quarterback for Pitt in that game. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. I don't know what Patty's up to right now. If he's is he starting for Pitt? Who knows? Okay, hold on. Yeah, uh, he may. Is he the starter for Pitt? It would no. Uh, um, no. What's his What's his name no, from not. USC? Is starting at Pitt. Oh Keaton yeah, Slovis. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, just like I didn't know that either. I always thought Bevel was the backup to Kenny Pickett, but based on who started that bull game, because obviously Pickett opted out, I'm not even sure Bevel was the back. I think he was the third stringer there. Uh, anyways, this is like really great podcasting, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm. I don't need to see any more Davis Bevel. Hello, but darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I've come to uh, talk to you again. 
I'm actually like I mean, dead surely, serious. That's what's going through my head when you just went through that monologue right there. I'm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What else can I take with? Yeah, he was clearly the third stringer last year. I didn't even know that. I think I I. When did the other guy go in? Like I watched the majority of that game, and Davis Bevel played like all of it. So this Nick Patty guy started the first two series. I'm looking at the game log right now. First series he was in, they went uh, three and out. Second series, Nick Patty was in as well. And the series ended with a Nick Patty touchdown run. And then in the third pit series, it would appear that Davis Bevel was in. And I think he was in the rest of the game. So... I have no idea. He must have gotten injured or something on the touchdown run or I don't know. Man, how how bad must Micah Bowens be if he if he's not even like he's on scholarship. Like that guy's got a scholarship. He's not even my goodness. Hmm. Or is he? Well, he, he, might, he might be a preferred walk on at this point in time. I guess I don't even know anymore. Yeah, I'm not sure what his scholarship status is, if he is or not. So, I mean, after all that discussion, I think the next most logical question I, I got to ask you is, you know, last I looked, OU is a six and a half point dog. Let's say Dylan Gabriel gets uh, ruled out. How many points would it take you to bet Oklahoma if you knew Davis Bevel was getting the start? <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it's, it's funny. I hope Davis Bevel listens to this podcast. If he plays, I hope he says, F you guys yeah, F and shoves guys, it man. right back into our face. And just um, gives the fans the business and throws for 400 yards and five touchdowns if he has, you know, if Dylan Gabriel can't play. But realistically, from a saw, betting yeah. from a betting standpoint, with the number probably about 20 and a half. That's so very interesting. I brought that question up to Eddie Radosevich the other day, and he said about 20. And I told him, I can't remember. Eddie may have said 21. I can't. It was it was right in that ballpark, and I told him I think maybe. 21 but i'd want i'd want the hook i'd want 21 and the and the half i want 21 and a half i need that extra hook to maybe get me to think about it <laughs> here's what that's I'm, where we are right now here, here's what i'm worried about if it's if this game is if davis bevel starts this game and it's it's clear that ou just does not have the juice to compete for 60 minutes and texas starts to pull away they're they're gonna try to bury ou they're gonna try to score as many points as humanly possible and they should they should. Oh, Just yeah. like if the roles were reversed, I, I, OU should be trying to score 90 on Texas every year. Oh, absolutely. And so, I, I don't know, man. If This is the point where this game is like, it's clear who the better team is. And is it, Texas is, is, is going to run the score up. So, I, you know, I don't know. So, all right. Well, that's a tough thing because defensively... I think OU is more like we saw in the first three games than the last two. I just think uh, until I get until I see more evidence, I'm going to go ahead and go with the the more positive approach, the benefit of the doubt. Because you know, I did see you know there's a lot of mistakes made, and obviously if those mistakes aren't fixed, if they can't get calls, they bust coverages, and it's not going to matter. But I mean, just certain parts of that game they go a certain way. We talked about it in the last podcast. I know the game was a blowout, but you know if if you want to really dive deep into the tape. You can find some avenues to where this play goes this certain way. This play is made here. Offensively, Oklahoma doesn't have a bad pass here or there. And we have a whole different ball game, and it's a lot closer, and maybe TCU's offense isn't as effective. So I'd like to think that Oklahoma's defense will be able to you know, play better than that. 
But again, you know, they got to communicate. They got to figure out how to not miss calls because when there's busts in the secondary like that, it's got to just be because it's a missed call. Like somebody like maybe the team's doing tempo and not everybody from the sideline got the call. So half the defense thinks it's cover three and half the defense thinks they're in man or they think it's cover two. And then that's all it takes is one guy. Uh, I'd like to think that Oklahoma defensively can be a lot better than they, you know, they showed obviously against TCU. The problem is, man, they could go out there, Grant, on Saturday and have a great game plan and please, you know, be more disciplined. You know, Brent Venable said that the desire has been there the last two weeks. The discipline has not. They've just been making too many mistakes. You know, they can go out there with the desire and the discipline and play really well. But if Dylan Gabriel's out and the offense can't do anything, you know, how many series can you really expect the defense to play at their best and play perfectly over and over and over again if the offense can't score any points? And that, that's, my, that's one of my biggest fears is that the, the defense can be ready to go, but it won't matter because Oklahoma can't score. Um. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I'm I'm really worried about Xavier Worthy having 300 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, you can I'm that's what I'm worried about, and I think I'm totally justified in being worried about that. Uh, based off what we saw last season, we know Sark is going to is going to want to test these guys deep downfield because of all the coverages that they've busted. I think it's really unlikely that Billy Bowman is going to be playing in this game, which is uh, is absolutely death for this defense. I don't know, man. I, I think we're gonna have to see. We're gonna have to see the the defensive end. Jalen Redmond's gonna have to have such a huge game, getting a, getting a lot of pressure from the inside. I, I just, I don't know, man. I I think more like I, gun to my head. I know it's a cliche that I use a lot. OU's defense is gonna get freaking run in this game, man. I don't like them busting like that. I. I Going back and saying, ah, oh, they had six play, they had three hundred yards like on six plays throughout the court. Yeah, that's true and everything, but those plays still count. And I, I like based off of what we know about a lot of the players who are busting, like, isn't it very consistent with what we know about these players already? I think it's yeah. much more likely. I think it's much more likely these guys just they they bust mentally. They don't do they don't do a good job mentally because now this is two coaching staffs where it's been a problem. I you know no, that's that, why that's I'm concerned. Fair. That is why I'm concerned because I'm OU being this bad the last two games actually just does not make sense. It doesn't something it, other. The only thing that that makes it make sense is that these guys who were here and who were left over actually just were not good players the entire time. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the last two games, there, there's your evidence that you can you can point to and you you'd be right uh, because, like, I'm, I'm starting, like, watching the last two games, and, like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, ah, actually, you know what? That does kind of look like last year's defense. They just, they're just not getting a ton of pressure up front with Benito, Thomas, and Winfrey. And, and just the, and, and the lack of any sort of skill or awareness in the secondary, it just, it, it drives me nuts. You know, I, I hate seeing Woody Washington get called for a couple PIs, I and, mean, but it's also about, frustrating I, I like, watching them look totally different in the first three games and them just them just reverting back to what they were. It's because they got punched in the mouth. They're not very good at, at dealing with adversity in the moment, in the arena. They're just not. Well, We've seen they're, it. They're also playing against really good players, too. I, I mean, that, I think that factored in against TCU. and It's, it's going to factor in against Texas as well. Texas has a lot more skill players and like really good players and i kind of remembered or thought they did tcu has tcu has a better core of receivers from like receiver one to receiver four 
Texas has the two best players that OU has seen this year, Bijan and Xavier Worthy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Xavier Worthy. I, I guess I'm just I'm so bad at. I, I, when I saw Jamar Chase play a few years back at LSU, I was like, okay, that guy looks different. I I didn't really – I, I kind of saw that with Devontae Smith, but I just – I hated Devontae Smith's size. But, hey, he's made it work. He's been a pretty decent NFL player too. Xavier Worthy, to me, just looks like another like really good college wide receiver. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. like Just like TCU's got a lot of good good, good – like college wide receivers. I think Worthy so, and Mims are are really really similar players. In terms of like college players, they're pretty much the same player. So what I was going to say though is that Texas like aside from Worthy like I think Whittington's pretty damn good too. Uh and they have this guy, I guess Jatavian Sanders who's been really good as hey, well. Could be a problem. Like number 3. Could be a problem for sure. And then obviously you throw in throw in Bijan who's who's really really darn good. And then I mean Roshan Johnson's still there. Bijan is the football too. And and this is like this is the challenge because honestly of those players that that you mentioned Bijan is by far the most the uh, by far the most terrifying. Um, I like I, I don't know what you do because you, you have to keep you have to keep a safety over the, over the top of Xavier Worthy or they're gonna pick that scab the entire game, and you also got to get extra guys in the box so you can actually tackle Bijan Robinson. I they got there's. Texas has a lot of answers for, for, for the things that have plagued OU this year. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, and, I just, I really feel like Texas is going to, it's just a smorgasbord for them against this defense right now. Unless OU comes no, it's, out, it's, it's, it's just great. a total, it's a, unless the last two weeks are a total fluke and they're just a totally different team, which this isn't fairy tale land. This is real world. Yeah. I, I mean, last week, I think it's pretty clear that Garrett Riley is a pretty pretty good up-and-coming offensive coordinator i mean the smu offense i think the last year or whenever i'm not sure how many years he was at smu as the oc but smu's offense has been pretty darn good and it looks like he's on the right track with tcu and max duggan and now you got Britt venables going up against sark who's a you know one of the best play callers in college football as well and you know you watch texas play and they're constantly kind of keeping you on your toes as a defense i mean there's there's a lot of rpo elements can be a zone read run or on the back side of it there can be a pass element uh, there's a lot of misdirection in this texas offense and you throw in some really 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 good college skill players that can make you pay yeah i i'm with you it's and you have the the recency of the last two games for oklahoma's defense you're like man i don't i don't get it i don't get how Oklahoma's going to be able to get stops unless they, you know, they figure out how to play like they did the first three games. I it's, mean, the, you get stops. You got to start with they. They have to stop Bijan. I mean, that's that's where you say you got you got to get Texas in third and long, and then you got to hope that you can you, you can you can confuse whoever is playing quarterback for Texas with blitzes, blitz them into mistakes. Yeah, and that's the thing. Does it matter who plays quarterback for Texas? I mean. It matters. Think it's it matters be because I think there's di- they, they can do different things. Hudson Card is much more mobile than yours is. I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks maybe it's better for you if it's yours because it may be more likely that they're able to confuse him. And also, he's coming off an injury, so maybe he's not fully hundred percent. Maybe he's a little rusty. Yeah. You know, but also, if he's you know, I'm if Sark dials up a good play and it's open, he's probably going to hit it, which is scary. Yeah. yeah and. 
I went back and I was watching the Bama game, and it just it reminded me he was he was really good against Alabama. He looked really really good. He's really and good. That was it was really a, a frustrating for me because I had watched the game the week before and I can't even recall who they played in week one, and it was just him kind of not taking shots, just dinking and dunking, and being kind of inaccurate and throw. I think he threw a couple of bad picks, and he looked like a different player against Alabama, a totally different player. I, I, I get it. They weren't playing Bama week one, so they were probably holding a lot back. I get that. But, uh, man, it just I was really impressed with the way he was playing until he got knocked out late in the first quarter. So, you know, he's certainly a guy that can hang back there, and if Oklahoma gets no pressure, then, yeah, it'll be a field day for him. And also card. I mean, if there's no pressure, then any quarterback can dice up this Oklahoma secondary in the way that it's playing right now. Uh, other injury concerns, you mentioned Billy Bowman. I've kind of heard the same things you are. Uh, it'd be really surprising if he plays. Sounds like he might have a, you know, a, an injury that keeps him out for a little bit of time. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that, if we don't. Wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if we don't see him the rest of the year. Well, I, I haven't heard it was. You know, I haven't heard that it's that bad. But you know, I've heard like weeks. But I guess weeks would mean anything. Uh, Juan A. Morris was in a sling. You know, after the TCU game, what does that mean? Is he gonna, you know, is he gonna be able to come back and play? If not, then you hope Tyler Guyton's fine. I think, did Tyler Guyton get nicked up? I think in the game as well. I can't. I think he got banged up maybe once or twice. No, 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 they were they were dropping like flies in the second half. I, yeah, I have. I, I have no. We don't even I mean, know if, that 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 that's that's what makes this this game so hard to talk about because we we have no idea how healthy or how injured OU is. No clue. We don't even know like. Marcus Major, Marcus Major didn't even make the trip, right, on Saturday? We had no clue. He wasn't there. Yeah, he wasn't there. Apparently, Marcus Stripling also wasn't there. I didn't know that. I, I knew about Major. And Venable said that both of their absences on Saturday against TCU was due to was you know an injury, injury-related, but you know he didn't provide any details. So, yeah, we don't know about Marcus Major's status. If Major can't go, then you got Gray, who, again, I mean, I, I – I I didn't think he was hurt, but I had heard people that thought he was hurt. But then, again, I saw him you know Monday doing media stuff, so I assume Eric Gray is fine. And then, so if there's no Marcus Major, then you got you're back to Eric Gray and Javante Barnes. Who Javante Barnes, you know, he was he was good. He was fine against TCU. Got beat up a lot, but uh, you know, he, not a terrible number two to have next to Eric Gray. So it was good that he got those touches and those carries and uh, in that game against TCU. But yeah, it's. There's, I mean, Anton Harrison was kind of limping around. I mean, I, I don't think his is serious, so I'd, I'd be kind of surprised if Anton Harrison didn't play. But, boy, I mean, if you know, there's no Billy Bowman, which it seems like there's not, it's not going to be Billy Bowman. You're dealing with a secondary of players that were looking pretty good for the first three weeks, but now it's like I don't like any of these guys back there. Sorry, that, that, there's definitely not going to be any Damon Harmon either. So, no, Damon. Damon Harmon. Damon, Damon. Uh, I mean, it's... I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, man. I, I, I want to get it right. Yeah, you're right. There, that's not something to poo-poo. Um, no, I... Yeah, I it's mean, bad. I, I, don't, I mean, I can't even... They're, they're secondary without Billy Bowman. It just... And especially Key Lawrence has been hurt and hasn't been, been performing up to, like, what our expectations. Man, you take him off the field, you take a, a Key Lawrence off the field that hasn't, hasn't lived up to expectations. That secondary looks bad, man. They just don't look good. We got to get some veteran players to step up, like a Trey Morrison. Trey Morrison's, I, yeah. I mean, this that that's this is a th- going to this game. Trey Morrison has got to start this game if if Billy's not going. And he's been um, playing a lot, so 
Yeah, I'm with you. And here, here, here's here's another thing I want to ask. Like, I, I understand he got there in the summer. I understand we haven't heard much from him. Jaden Davis and Woody Washington and DJ Graham and Kenai Walker made so many mistakes on Saturday. Where the hell is CJ Colden? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like I, a guy who is who is who is arguably the best player on Wyoming's defense a season ago. He can't go in there and play cover three. Well, I think. I think DJ Graham can play cover three if he gets the call, which I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and just guess that he didn't know the call, which whose fault is that? I don't know. Is it his fault? I guess that maybe, but like if you don't get the call on third and long, shouldn't your default instinct always be to get as deep as you possibly can? If you don't get the call, I don't know. It's easy to say that here. I'm trying to think back to high school. I know it's not the same thing. But man, it was pretty. Uh, it's probably not even. It doesn't make sense to even make the analogy. I, the re- reason I bring it up is that w- basically, when motion would happen, certain formations would happen, and if you knew there was a certain motion that would set up maybe a three by one or a two by two, that's whenever we would potentially switch from cover two to either cover four or cover three, and it would be the free safety's job to make those calls. And this is high school football. This is not. You know, 60, 70, 80,000 people going at breakneck speed in 2022 where they're throwing the ball all the way around. So it's incredibly apples to oranges. And so in my mind, that's the only way I think a call cannot get relayed is that maybe there's a motion. And I got to go back and watch some of these plays to see if there was a motion man or, or if there's not, if there's no motion at all, there's no movement by the offense, then that's simply to me, the call wasn't gotten, you know, successfully from the sideline. Like everybody... I, a lot of this stuff, you look over at the defensive coordinator or you look over at, you know, obviously the defensive coordinator, Ted Roof, is in the booth, but Brent Venables is down there. Whoever's relaying all the signals to these defensive players, there's no huddles, obviously. So as a defensive player, you look over and you see what the call is, and then you go from there. That's what you do. And so I guess it's possible that you could look all look over and you wouldn't see the call right or you would misinterpret the call, and boom, you got one guy out of position. That's frustrating, man. That can't happen. That's what practice is for. So it goes back to the, the complicated question. Is this defense too complicated? Is there too many calls that maybe can be missed when you're on the field looking to the sideline getting the calls? And that's a question we don't know. And what, yeah, and gosh, and what were they doing in the first three games where that didn't, because Kent State and Nebraska used a lot of motion and, and, jet, and jet motions and all of that too. So I... They did. They, they didn't seem to have any trouble with that stuff. I guess OU did on that that one, you know, thirty yard touchdown pass in the first drive against Nebraska. Uh, they motioned into that, and it kind of confused OU for sure. But after that, it was totally fine. Kent Trey, State did a ton of motion. Did did a ton of that stuff. I mean, Trey Morrison had a great play on that jet sweep, little pop pass in the first quarter where he got a TFL. That uh, that mo- motion and movement in the backfield didn't seem to uh, you know distract him. I mean, it's. It, it might be a non sequitur because that play may had nothing to do with any of that other stuff. But yeah, it's just uh, we don't have any answers. We're just speculating, and there's there's nothing we can do, man. It's just uh, I mean, Ted Roof was talking to like I think he he joked the other day at the pressers like I promise you we don't have a defense where it's designed where there's you know a guy thirty yards open. It's like yeah we know. I mean it's people mess up. People don't get calls. Fix it. Fix it, man. Um, all right, so. Grant, what's your gut feeling on this game? My gut? Yeah. I think they're going to get freaking smoked. 
That's what my gut's telling me. So let me ask you it this way. If Dylan Gabriel plays, what's your gut feeling? They're going to get freaking smoked. (laughs) So my gut feeling is if Dylan Gabriel plays, I kind of think they're going to win. I kind of think they're going to win the game if Dylan Gabriel plays. I just... Hey, but, and this may this may be emotional hedge on my part because I like it's as I'm telling you, I I have zero desire zero desire to watch OU get freaking drug by Texas I don't want to see it I've seen it like only twice in my entire life I hated it both times I don't want to see it this is not what I I just but I don't it's hard for me to envision a lot of success in this game. Because even if Dylan Gabriel still like plays, man, he's still Dylan. He's still still he's still the same Dylan Gabriel that has missed three to four big time throws every single game. Yeah, and Texas is defense, why is he just going to start hitting those throws now? Well, I mean, I I think you can look back on he's played five games, and four of the five games he's missed throws, but he's made a lot of good throws too. In one of the five games, he's just missed a bunch of throws, and so in my mind, if he plays and he's healthy and he clears concussion protocol then I would take you know, the first four games as more of an indicator of how he can complete passes. And I don't think any of these defenses are world-beating defenses. I mean, he should have made those throws against TCU. He didn't. So Dylan Gabriel playing, here's like my recipe. You know, obviously, I'm assuming he's healthy, and he, he plays the whole game because you know, he gets knocked out again. It's anybody's guess, and boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, that would be horrible if he does play. But uh, you know, I, I think Dylan Gabriel plays more like he's played the first four games. And you know, he'll miss some throws, but he'll protect the football. He'll make more of those throws that he missed against TCU. And the entire team will have a lot more confidence because their quarterback's playing. And that'll give the defense confidence. That'll give all the wide receivers confidence. They'll be able to run the football more. It, the offense will look a lot more like it's supposed to look. Uh, like they looked the first three games and at times against TCU. And on the flip side, I'm, I'm just kind of betting on the defense – Try, you know, getting enough stops and not making as many mistakes. And that's kind of crazy given the last two games. I get that, but that's, that's the recipe. And, you know, the defense playing, you know, with Gabriel, knowing that, hey, maybe the offense can score some points. Maybe they'll play better. Uh, but if Dylan Gabriel does not play in this game, then what, what did you say? A minute? Like they're going to get freaking smoked. Is that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and yeah. take that card. I'll, I'll take that card all day long if uh, Dylan Gabriel does not play. What I'm interested to see if, and this is this is only if Gabriel doesn't play, I'm really interested to see what they do with the tempo. If Davis Bevel runs out there as their starting quarterback and they're still trying to do the tempo thing every single play, we got some problems, big time. <sighs> That's their philosophy, like from though, a yeah. from a philosophical standpoint. I know. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I will say, hey, I just thought of this in Davis Bevel's defense I, when I was watching back some stuff. I did come across one pretty good throw. Do you remember the little slant pass to Farouk near the goal line? That was a pretty good throw. Late in the game. I, I don't remember that, actually. No. <laughs> did you? How many beers were you in? Turn the game off? By, maybe the game was off by then. Maybe it wasn't even on anymore, and you missed it. That's, that's possible. That's actually the funny thing, Lee. When things are going bad for OU, that's when I stop drinking. Yeah, okay. That's where it gets like yeah. that's... We only, we only drink in the good times in, in, in this house, ladies okay. and gentlemen. No, he did. He had a it, it was a, a nice kind of slant to Farouk, kind of a tight window throw, good ball. And then I think it was the next snap. It was OU's last touchdown. I think it was Barnes punched it in. So uh, now it didn't matter. You know, it was inconsequential. But uh, I just I wanted to point out a positive, a positive from Davis Bevel. 
I did see, I, I did recall a good throw he, he made. So, you know, maybe he's going to build off that. I think that was his last throw of the game, too. I think it might have been the last ball he threw. So, hey, maybe we'll But also, how that. sick would it be if, uh, how sick would it be if just, if, if randomly it's actually Booty or Evers that starts and they come in and they're just nails and they're just awesome? Well, a certain, like, let me, uh, I mean, I was. Let me I be was, very clear. That will not happen and it's a pipe dream to think it could happen. I don't know, man. But it would be really cool. I, don't know, I, I was told by a, a guy that knows a lot about OU football in the offseason about that General Booty was a stud. Yeah, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you guys figure that one out if, if you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, heck, maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe Booty will come in and he'll, he'll – uh, I can't think of a funny pun because it's just it's – I saw, I, I saw someone on Sooner Scoop say, oh, you should do the Wildcat thing, but they should use Jaron Canick instead. <laughs> Which is it's hilarious, but also like – if you go and look at his high school tape, most of it is him just running over fools oh, that's as, right. as, as a running that's quarterback. Right. You're right. It is. It's just him playing quarterback. And then every once in a while, there's a defensive snap. <laughs> so basically, uh, Grant, no matter who plays quarterback for OU, Grant's gut feeling is that OU uh, gets smoked. I'm a little more nuanced with it. I think if Gabriel plays, my gut feeling, it's, it's dumb. It's just a gut feeling. But I kind of think OU's going to win the game. Uh, but if Gabriel doesn't play, no chance. There's no chance OU wins the game. It just isn't. I, I don't know how they're going to score points. And the defense is not playing well. So like, what it, that's what I'm saying. Man, if you don't think Gabriel's going to play, you better go hammer. Hammer that Texas number right now because I'm not sure whenever it's going to be figured out that Gabriel's not playing, probably Saturday morning. That number's either going to get taken off the board or it's going to skyrocket up to like at least 14, 14 and a half. There's there's a couple things I'm thinking about in the situation. There's two games. The 2013 and the 2015 games are the ones that I'm thinking about right now. Going into those games, OU compared to Texas. Now, those were games where OU was undefeated going into both of those games. And Texas, I think, was 1-3 and three or 2-4 or, and four or whatever. I know they were 1-3 and three going into 2013. I, I think they were a couple games under 500 going into the 2015 game. I'm trying to decide, who was down worse? in those situations compared to what it is now is and Texas won both of those games. So was it at, at those times, was it more unrealistic to come up with a way for Texas to win those games? than it is for OU now. That's, that's kind of what I'm trying to find is, is, is there some sort of precedent? Cause OU has, has not been in this situation before really in the last, in, in a generation, really 2005 was the last time OU went into this game as a substantial underdog. Yeah, I, I wish I could help you out with that, but in the 2013, 2015, those were years where I, I cannot intelligently discuss OU football. So I would not be of any help in that particular question hey, maybe, or scenario. Maybe Texas has a ton of injuries this week that we don't know about yet, and there's some guys that won't be available. I don't know. That's what happened to OU in 2013. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens here. Okay, let's move it on to the rest of the Big 12, and then we'll get to our picks. And it ended up being a pretty darn good week for picks, especially for you, Grant, but we'll get to that here in a moment. But first, let's talk about the Big 12 slate. Only, uh, only four total games, uh, only three, obviously, games in addition to OU and Texas. And we're going to save one of the bigger ones, probably the biggest one of the three, for picks. That's TCU at Kansas. Who would have thought a month ago that uh, TCU at Kansas would have been the biggest game of the week in the Big 12, yet here we are in this ridiculous reality of college football we're living in in 2022. The other, I mean, the other two games are interesting too. Like every big 12 game is interesting now. It's, it's kind of interesting. Wow. It, 
how many times am I going to say the word interesting in this podcast? I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. I will be better moving forward. Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. Last I checked, OSU is a nine and a half point favorite. And I got to be honest with you, Grant. I saw this at Tech. I don't think I got to ten and a half, but I saw it at Tech 10. So it's only down to nine and a half. But I feel like Tech 10 would have been a good, good number to grab because it went down to eight and a half for a day or two. But now it's back up to nine and a half. Tech, uh, you know, let me down last week. I had them against K-State, and they didn't cover by a point or a half point maybe. Uh, but uh, Oklahoma State, good win over Baylor. I, I was hoping Oklahoma State would beat Baylor. Just I don't think Baylor's all that good. And OSU took care of business. The defense might be getting better, even though I'm not really sure, if, you know, about Baylor's offense being all that great. But, you know, it's a road win. And Oklahoma State now, I, f- I feel like at nine, like we're not going to bet that we're not, you know, this is not part of our picks, but – Still, even at nine and a half, grabbing Tech after a loss, going on the road, feeling a little bit of uh, you know desperation, maybe. I feel like if I was playing this game, I'd probably grab the points of Texas Tech. But interesting matchup. Yeah, I I, I, I agree with you there. This is one I'm not really sure on because I think Texas Tech is probably pretty good. You know, they're not a bad team. And go back and watch that game last week. Texas Tech just they didn't have any answer for Adrian Martinez running the ball. And I, you know, Spencer Sanders obviously is mobile. I don't think he presents the same challenges that an Adrian Martinez would run in the ball. I can see Texas Tech keeping this game close and, and covering the spread. But it, it, that's a coin flip at that nine and a half number, I think. And the other Big 12 game, Kansas State, number 20 now, a two-point road favorite against Iowa State. And, I mean, that's interesting number. I mean, it's telling you, I mean, Vegas is saying we think Kansas State is decently better than Iowa State, which Kansas State is, I think. I think that's not controversial. Uh, But I don't know if I'd mess around with that game. Anything can happen. But uh, to make Oklahoma feel better and to make us feel better, I'm going to go ahead and operate like K-State and TCU are pretty darn good football teams, man. And uh, maybe they're actually, you know, by the season's over with, maybe OU just got got beat by a couple top ten teams, Grant. Uh, so I mean, nah. can, yeah, probably. Not. I think this is a pretty. I I wouldn't. I'd probably pass on this game. Um, if I was betting it, but if I had to take a pick, it's a pretty pretty easy Iowa State pick for me. Yeah, I mean, I thought you're so against Iowa State, though. I'm just be surprised that you're gonna that you grab them. I feel like uh, this should be uh, this K is State or pass I, the, for me. The Big Twelve is really good. I I don't I I don't know who the best team in the Big Twelve is. Like, I have no clue whatsoever. I think the Big 12 has a lot of teams that are pretty similar, have the same, have, have very similar ceilings when they're operating. Um, it's just, it's pretty easy for me to envision Iowa State not having a whole lot of trouble with Adrian Martinez. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Although I can see Kansas State's defense uh, holding down Iowa State pretty good. I mean, Iowa State struggled against Kansas, who hasn't really had much of a good defensive team so far this year, right? And, and that was a weird game, so... Uh, man, what's the total in this game? Let me see. Kansas State. <laughs> man, uh, this total is low, man. <laughs> 44 and a half. Yeah, that uh, might be points at a premium there in Ames. So for our picks, and Grant, congratulations. Four and one last week. That's how you bounce back. I think you were winless the week before. Bounce back with a four and one week. Congratulations. Uh, I believe the uh, the proper term there would be congratulations. <laughs> okay, okay. 
or congrats. <laughs> so dumb. Uh, it's I not went three dumb. It's two. hilarious. Don't come on. And, you know, I just you know, kept steady, man. I'm three. Went three and two. I'm 15 and 10 overall in the year. Grant, you're 14 and 11. Our picks have been pretty darn good on this podcast. I'm not making any money off of it, unfortunately, because I'm not very good at this and also live in Oklahoma where I can't make any money off of it. And you're living in a state where you also can't make money off of it. But, uh, you know, those out there that are living in legal states, hopefully you're benefiting at least a little bit. Uh, because if you're making our picks, you're, you're up a little bit. You're up, you're up probably a couple units, two or three units, maybe even four, depending on, you know, how many units you laid on each bet of ours so let's get to the games lee i love this first game this is great this is such a good game to bet all right first game going to the sec tennessee number eight tennessee the volunteers a three-point road favorite down in the bayou against lsu number 25 brian kelly and lsu is ranked right now and the fact that you're super excited about this game kind of leads me to believe that you and I might be on the same page on this one because I know you and I are big Brian Kelly fans, and I think LSU plus the points here is a, a, a pretty good bet, plus the three. Yeah, 100%. I th- I'm pretty sure Tennessee plays Alabama next week, so this is kind of a, a, a look ahead here. Tennessee also coming off, a, I think, a, a really big win last week as well. Or that was maybe two weeks ago now. I can't remember. No, that was last week. I, this is an easy LSU bet. This is I, this is just college football betting 101. Now, Tennessee, they're coming off a bye, actually. So they've had an extra week to prepare for this one. Their last game was a couple weeks ago when they beat Florida. Which Okay, I was thinking that was last week, but I, I obviously I've just I've just totally removed last Saturday from my memory bank. So, you know, that extra week to prepare is is kind of interesting for Tennessee. But man, you know, I think we talked about this. After the first week of the season, whenever LSU and Florida State, would they play on, what, was that Sunday night or Monday? I think they played Sunday night. They had the Sunday night game on Labor Day weekend. And maybe it was me, maybe it was you, maybe it was both of us. I think we made a, the quip of like, you know, there's a chance that both of these teams aren't really that good. Am I imagining that? And Yeah, and, no, and that I, was one of my takeaways is that I watching it, I was like, yeah, it was an entertaining game, but I'm pretty sure both of those teams are like seven and five, six and six teams. Maybe well, it turns even out it turns out Florida State and LSU might might be pretty good. Uh, I mean, they're both. I think they're both four and one right now, and uh, LSU's ranked. So, I mean, again, we both like Brian Kelly, uh, and um, I mean, it was kind of a not that impressive win over Auburn, but they beat Auburn on the road last week. So, any road win in the SEC is, I mean, probably pretty good. So, you and I are both on LSU plus the three points. Anything guess, else on this one? My guess, savvy Tennessee fans are probably shaking in their boots about this game. They're probably circling it and saying, yeah, this is, this is the game. This is actually the game that is going to signal whether or not we're over the hump. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not Alabama. Because even, even if they are over the hump, they're not going to beat Alabama. They're very likely not going to beat Alabama. And you're This right. is the game that they need to win. And you're this right. is they, the game that they can circle and say, we are headed in the right direction. And if they lose it, they can, just, they, they can say, eh, not a lot of things have changed. I don't know. This... This screams LSU win to me. I was going to say, you are correct. They do have Alabama after they play LSU, and they have Alabama in Knoxville. All right, next game. It's the Big 12 game that we skipped over. Number 17, TCU. At number 19, Kansas, the Horned Frogs, a seven-point road favorite. Interesting number. Interesting number. I think it's a little, probably a little inflated after TCU's went over Oklahoma. So in theory, in theory, Kansas plus seven is probably the by the book bet here. Hmm. 
And so I probably should just go with my gut and just go by the book and, and grab the points with Kansas at home catching seven. What do you think? I'm actually also going to go with Kansas here. I, I listen, I, I, TCU is, is good. They're, they're clearly better than I thought they would be going into this season. They're not that good. They're, they're not that good. I could easily, and Kansas, Kansas has been really good on offense this season and TCU's defense still sucks. It's still not a good defense. And I think Kansas is probably going to go up and down the field on them. All right, next up. Let's go to the Pac-12, number 11, Utah. Pretty interesting game, especially after the way last week played out. Utah is a three-and-a-half-point road favorite at UCLA. UCLA knocked off Washington. Man, that hook. That hook for UCLA. But you know what? I think Utah's a pretty darn good football team. And I'm not, I'm not scared of the hook. I'm going to grab Utah, minus the points, and sleep like a baby, Grant. Ah, we're on the same page again. Oh, great. By the way, you were right about the uh, UCLA Washington game. So good on you on uh, you know last week. Yeah, it's it was- maybe that's it's maybe my best handicap of the year. That one, I, very similar vibe to that game as as Tennessee and LSU. Really, really similar vibe. Did you make the comment that it was a fishy line, the UCLA Washington line? I think I think you said it was kind of a fishy line. Yeah, and you're right, it was. And boom, UCLA wins outright as a two and a half point. I think it actually went to three at some point as a three point you know home underdog so we're both on utah huh interesting let's look around the pack 12 you know i had a tough time kind of finding games this week that i thought were super interesting at first i didn't have this one on here but then when i went through the entire like not even just the top 25 like the entire slate of college football i was like yeah i gotta put this one on here because obviously for the interest in the podcast but also i think it's a, a pretty uh i'm trying to avoid the word interesting <laughs> it's a pretty um uh cool game i gotta improve my uh, my vocabulary washington it's, state it's, it's it's a really intriguing game for yeah, sure thank you i was ah uh, i i couldn't get from interesting to intriguing because i don't read enough books i don't read enough leather bound books washington state at usc at number six usc the trojans laying 13 at home this is a 6 30 kick central time so that'll be uh you know a late late early you know late afternoon early evening kick out there on the west coast and you know i gotta grab the points here i gotta grab washington state it's a good football team wazoo's playing really well and they can move the football and uh, usc can also move the football obviously but the last two weeks usc's been kind of kind of putting uh yeah they, they didn't cover against arizona they obviously didn't cover against oregon state and it's a good football team in Washington State. I know it's a road game, but that's a lot of points. I'll take the 13. I'll go the opposite direction on this one just because I'm not leaning um, one way or the other. I feel like if I were to take Wazoo in this one, I'd be letting my heart uh, make the pick. But also, I mean, there you, you can. You, you, it's, it's pretty easy to talk yourself into Washington State covering this one just because Washington State's been good this year. They go on the, they go on the road. They beat Wisconsin. Uh, before before the rails or before Wisconsin kind of went off the rails, uh, they went on the road, you know, to Oregon and Eugene, and they were leading a vast majority of that game, and they just kind of let it get away from them at the end. But really, they've been a pretty good defensive team this season. That game against Oregon, notwithstanding, and then Cameron Ward, who is a guy who kind of took a bit to to get going in the first couple of games, but he's been a lot more of what people expected him to be these last couple games. Big guy, six two two twenty, is able to run around back there. I could definitely see him giving USC's defense some trouble, especially if they're going to be, especially if they're willing to run him. I don't know if they necessarily are, but 
I don't know, man. I, that kind of does feel like me maybe overreacting to USC. Probably they probably they should have lost last week to Oregon State. They they were really lucky in that game. Um, a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Was that was that not last week? No, they played Arizona State last week. That's so crazy how I've just completely eliminated last week from my nuts. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. But yeah, Wazoo on this one. Well, it's because you're trying to forget Oklahoma's game. That's why. I got I was so I, I was watching the game last week, guys. I so um OU and then and the Gophers, which is my alma mater, they they were playing at the same time yesterday. And the Gophers, you know, they made their debut in the top twenty five. They were four 0 you know, if you, you get rid of like all of kind of like the stat adjustments and all of that, they they were they had been the most dominant team in college football through the first four weeks of the season. And then of course they lose at home during homecoming to Purdue. Just laid a, a freaking egg. You can't and 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 that game was happening at the same time as the OU game. I was at a friend's house with a bunch of, you know, gopher alums. All these people know that I'm a huge OU guy. You know, it's we were we were watching the game together, and just yeah, the vibes in the house we were at were just were bad. I was sad. Everyone else was sad. It was bad. It was a terrible eleven a.m. block for this guy here. Didn't well, enjoy it at all. Well, in a way, it's actually probably better. I mean, at least everyone was sad, except for you know, as opposed to. Well, I guess you are a Gophers guy too, so that was like double bad for you. Yeah. All right. And by the way, uh, longtime listeners may be thinking, like, what are you talking about? Like, didn't Grant go to OU? Yeah, Grant, Grant went to OU for the first year, and then he, he transferred out and was like, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a little smarter than this school in Norman, Oklahoma. I got to go to a, a much more, you know, heady school in uh, Minneapolis, so he transferred to Minnesota. That was just definitely, definitely not my rationale <laughs> at the time. So don't, don't, don't put words in my mouth. In fact, I, I will say it. OU, academically, much more intense, much more difficult than the Big Ten school in Minnesota. When I what? was there. get out of here, dead serious. Wow, look at that! They call it the Harvard of the Midwest. Is Oklahoma the Midwest? That's that's a whole debate. Uh, I can't start that. I I don't even know if it's it's, a, it's not the South. Yeah. It's like in the middle of the country. So, anyways, I'm going to go Washington State plus the 13. You got USC. I guess I, I Grant. I got to tell you, uh, Washington State has to win this football game. If not, then I think that the USC. Uh, over nine and a half is going to cash. <laughs> I think like the only games on USC schedule, I see them maybe losing Washington state, which USC is a, a double digit home favorite at Utah, which is right after Washington state. And then may, Oh, actually I take it back. I guess UCLA is pretty good. Okay. So they, they could UCLA and Notre Dame and the Notre Dame kind of the wild card week too. Like Notre Dame, who knows if they're going to get better as the year goes on. So, Okay. Like Washington State, Utah, UCLA, and no, so there's there's four games left in there. I mean, Cal is okay, but I don't know if their offense is any good. Their defense is is decently. Actually, I take that back. They gave up twenty. Eh. Yeah, they're not. Uh, USC's not going to lose to Cal. I mean, Arizona's not good. Uh, Colorado's one of the worst teams in college football. So, anyways, I uh, man, it's just I was so confident in the OU win total and the USC win total, and here's the thing. <laughs> Never bet on sports, people, because it looks like I'm going to lose probably both of them. Okay. USC's offensive line is just way better than I anticipated, and and I think that's yeah, that, that's just kind of where it's at right now. Well, it's a mark for Pro Football Focus because I want to say I saw Pro Football Focus College talking about how USC had a lot of really good players coming back from the year before, and I remember thinking, yeah, Pro Football Focus College is kind of garbage. Well, maybe not. Maybe they do have good players. Yeah, playing a lot better. Finally, we'll go to the ACC. Florida State at 
number 14, NC State. NC State's only laying three at home. It's a Florida State team. I think Florida State lost its first game of the year last week. I believe, was it a Wake? I think I looked that up. But, yeah, uh, they, it was Wake. And I was on Wake in that one in a contest. Man, you know, I feel like you're buying low here on NC State. I think you're buying low here, only laying three at home. I'm going to go ahead and grab NC State because I just feel like it's a pretty good number for them. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think it's it, this is an obvious NC State backing, and and that like I, admittedly this is just I'm just not sold on Florida State. I I don't I don't think they're that good. Yeah, I'm there with you as well. And NC State just played Clemson. Clemson's a good football team, and they played them somewhat close on the road. And now they're only going to be laying a field goal at, at home to a, a good Florida State team, but a Florida State team that they're just maybe learning how to be good, I guess. And NC State's a team that a lot of people like going into the year, and, and they look pretty good. They beat Texas Tech. Uh, and I mean, they haven't played anybody aside from Texas Tech and Clemson. So Florida State's really the only the third team they play that's any good because they played UConn, who's bad, and Charleston Southern. And I guess, I mean, East Carolina, that was a close game. I guess East Carolina is 3-2 and two right now. So I suppose that's a real team. But yeah, we're both on NC State. So boy, a lot of, uh, a lot of agreement in our picks this week to recap grant and i are both on lsu plus three over tennessee we are both on kansas plus the seven against tcu we are both on utah minus the three and a half at ucla we have one disagreement i grabbed the 13 points washington state catching 13 against usc grant will lay the 13 with the trojans and finally Another agreement, four agreements. We are both grabbing NC State minus the three at home against Florida State. A reminder, uh, on the season, I'm 15 and 10. That's 66%, guys. Grant's 14 11. That's, I'm not sure what number that is, but that's also very high. It's, it's more than you'd, you'd want for a professional sports better. If you hit about 53, 53%, you're an awesome sports better long term. That's really good. Really, really good. And both you and I are over that through the first five weeks of the college football season. Well, uh, hopefully we uh, are all surprised come Saturday afternoon. That's all I can say, right? I mean, <laughs> like we all kind of think it's going to go bad. Uh, it's a weird situation for West of Everest. We've never been in a spot where we're pretty much certain that, Oklahoma, uh, that Oklahoma's just going to lose the game. <laughs> and there's not Hope really for the many best, avenues. Expect yeah. the worst, everyone. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, I don't want to filibuster at the end too much. I'll uh, go give it over to you in case you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up. I don't know why this just popped in my head. It, it's probably just because, you know, we, we save the end of the show for these types of comments. But I feel like it's something that we're going to have to we're going to have to talk about on the podcast eventually because it's been a huge theme ever since our podcast started. Lee Baker Mayfield's a bad NFL quarterback. I haven't seen Baker play one snap this year because every time. I look at his numbers or I see Carolina, they're, they're not doing anything. And I just think, what is happening? Is it all he's just not been, is it all been just, it doesn't, it just, ha- no, it just hasn't trans. He's just, he is who he is. He's just not good at that level. I mean, I thought it was pretty good. First few years looked like Baker to me, but Hey, the further he got away from Lincoln Riley, the, the worse he got. People get tape on him. It's just, I mean, the amount of balls that he gets batted down at the line of scrimmage is unreal. Yeah, it's not fun. I mean, it's such a weird dynamic. I, I, I don't even seek out Baker games anymore. I mean, for 
two, three years, I mean, I was anytime Baker played, it was appointment television for me. I, I loved watching him play, and now I, I don't even care to even check out what he's doing. So it's sad. it's it's a weird it's thing, and it, it it does make you question kind of what you see. Like I, Baker Mayfield was uh, orders of magnet by orders of magnitude a better thrower of the football in college than Jalen Hurts ever was. We saw it. We saw. It. I mean, it was just one year removed from the two. I mean, it was. Jalen Hurts as a thrower was just much more limited than Baker Mayfield was in what he could do, what he could accomplish in the passing game. And I, I don't know, man, they, they both get on, on, on the same level, the same level of play at the NFL, and they just go in opposite directions. And I don't know how to explain that other than there is something that Jalen Hurts does with his work ethic that Baker Mayfield just does not have, probably. Or, or Jalen Hurts is just is a much better athlete than Baker Mayfield, and somehow he has figured it out, the quarterback part of the NFL. Well, I think Nick Sirianni in Philly deserves a lot of credit. I mean, they've built that offense around him, and they're not asking him to do a whole lot, and a lot of it is based off of his running, and the offensive line is giving him a lot of time to throw, and they're running the ball pretty well. So like the system right now for Jalen Hurts is fantastic, and a big part of that is that he can move. He can, he can get out of the pocket. He can scramble. He can extend plays, and I – I still think, like by far, his the weakest part of his game is his throwing. Even though I, he's got good numbers, but it it's all about that system, and he's making it work, and he looks good. And if Baker Mayfield could run around and you know give defenses a you know a thought with his legs, like a Jalen Hurts, like a Lamar Jackson, like a Josh Allen, like all these really good quarterbacks, Justin Herbert can move a little bit when he needs to. I'm probably leaving some people out. That that's the new age quarterback, right? And I mean, that's essentially. I mean, that's that's Kyler's bit. That's why Kyler. he's still so yeah, effective Kyler. because yeah, he can Kyler's move around so well. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, Kyler is another guy that I just I've never really enjoyed watching him play in the NFL level. It's just I don't know. It it's weird. Kyler is a guy who needs Kingsbury doesn't do him any favors. Like he's a, like I would love for Kyler to have a guy like Mike McDaniel as his OC, mm. or because like I I mean, and it's another thing too. I mean, look at. Look at Tua. Tua before he got he got really really hurt against Cincinnati. How competent does he look throwing yeah, the ball down the great. field? Extremely. Except when he was uh, underthrowing Tyree Kill the other night <laughs> before he got hurt. Did you see that one? <laughs> it was like that. Uh, I don't know if I remember that one, but I mean it, he's had he's had plenty of instances this year where he's hit Tyreek. Oh yeah, very yeah, deep downfield in stride. I mean there was. No, there was, you know, remember the whole bit with Tua whenever he got traded and they were practicing and like OTAs and stuff. And there was that Instagram video of him severely underthrowing Tyreek oh, yeah. Hill, you know, yeah. it was basically like that happened against the Bengals the other night. That actually ha like happened on, in the game. It was before he got hurt. It's pretty bad. I mean, but then again, who knows? Maybe he was his depth perception was messed up because he was playing with a concussion. <laughs> I, don't, I, I laugh at it. I know, but I, concussions are part of the game. They just are. It sucks. They happen. Yeah, like nobody. That's wants, always my. Yeah, I, I, that's always that's always my bit too. And that doesn't that that doesn't make watching what happened to Tua live last Thursday any easier to watch. But I'm a, but like where I'm not going to go is I I'm not going to overreact about it and be like, oh, this is such a bad look for the NFL and shame on all these people and shit. No, I mean it's part of the game and it sucks and people like we should always be trying to tighten stuff up to make sure that people are safe. But it's. That was scary on Thursday because of because Tua is a human being and he got really really hurt in that situation. That's why it was scary. Sure, yeah, 
No, it was just obviously the whole thing with his hands and his fingers. That's what made it weird. Because that was terrifying. Because that the was hit, terrifying. The the hit wasn't didn't look all that unusual to me. It didn't. Like, see, it I thought like it he, did. I thought it looked. I thought it was terrible immediately because I could see the whip of the guy. Like he got ragdolled. Well, yeah, no, he he got like he got thrown to the ground. But man, I could have swore on the replay. It looked like his back hit before his, his head did. So like I thought like his back took a lot more of the. The force in his head did, but it's like I mean, it's four days earlier he had already he got knocked around before. So I mean that it, it just it all compounded. I'm sure. And also, uh, I'm, and, I'm a, and also, I'm a medical the, doctor, I can speak on this intelligently. Go yeah. on. Oh, of course, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I mean, just the the Amazon, whoever the director that show was, they showed it way too many times. Way, way too no, many. I disagree. Times. Like I, it was. They never really and showed. I, and I and I I knew that you would disagree with that take. Well, because they, they, um, because I, you don't you don't really get worked up about stuff like that. Well, the hit wasn't um, that bad. It was the part it where was he bad. Had, I'm telling you it was bad. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was the whole part that people, it was his fingers. They didn't show that really ever again. The fingers thing Yes, was they weird. did. They showed that over and over again. I don't, I remember them showing the hit a bunch of times. I don't re- I remember seeing the fingers thing maybe once or twice, you know, flashing the, uh, the gang signs or whatever he was doing. And then, uh, you know, they, I, I just, it wasn't like the, you know, the man, this is, it actually ends up sucking because this guy ended up not doing anything. But it was the, remember the the Louisville player in the NCAA tournament. It wasn't like a guy that broke his leg in half. You know, I can see how that one. Okay, don't show that over and over again. When you got the the leg coming out of your out of your skin, you know, that's like, okay, fine. Don't show and yeah, that. Yeah, and that's a very that's different. That's a gruesome injury. There's there was just I, I guess yeah, there was just something about the two of one that that's it's just difficult. And it does like you. It's hard not to think about what we know about concussions and how how like how later on in life they can be so bad for you. And the thing that the thing that bothered me, the thing that really got to me was that they showed him, they showed like a close-up of, of his face inside the helmet when he was unconscious. And you could see his eyes moving behind his behind his closed lids and with his and it was it was disturbing. Yeah. It was really disturbing. It's just it's hey, it's it's real out here, man. It's real. It's game. It's violent. You know, it's gotta know. But hey, man, these guys choose to play it, and they know it. They're going in, and I promise you, I promise you, too, is super pumped to get back whenever he can because football is really fun. Hey, man, how many concussions did Troitman have? He's still do, he's still calling games pretty well, I think. I don't know. Is he calling know, games well? I don't know, but, Lee, I mean, there's still – Lee, I don't think you should poo-poo the seriousness of it because, there. I mean, we do have – we do have a lot of people who have, like – who have died young, either via suicide or other – because and then – afterwards they had they had cte because of a lot of concussions and stuff like that and so yes when i'm watching that on thursday night of course that's going through my brain there of course it is that's that's fine that then you that's perfectly fine and normal my pushback to that is there's also way 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 more people throughout life who played football that don't suffer from that stuff so i mean everyone's different you know it's it's a to, to which degree does it happen so that's kind of where i was like how many people have also been banged around knocked around and and they're fine a lot more than aren't. So that's why, like, I'm not saying it's like, oh, so let's celebrate it. I'm just, I don't get as worked up about it as maybe some people do. Because it's, and yeah, it's, and it's where part I, of the game. Where I stop short, and, and I get it. It's part of the game, and there's at, at a certain point, there's nothing that you can do to get that aspect out of the game. I'm not the type of person who is going to be like, who is going to come out here and moralize and how, oh, you have to do something about this now. You have to, you have to. Nah, man, I'm just like, it's, I recognize it's part of the game, but also it's a dark part of the game, and I only need to see it once when it happens. Yeah, you're just being a human. You're being a human being. 
You're having some sympathy, and that's a good thing. It's not bad to have sympathy. But me, I'm cold-hearted, man. No feelings here. All practicality, nothing. Just a robot. So I live my life. When I watch that OU Texas game on Saturday, I'll feel nothing. Zero <laughs> things. <laughs> okay. Uh, mainly because I, I, mainly because I'll be half in the bag. Obviously, just kidding. I'll be working. I won't. I don't. I don't drink on the job. Uh, man, I, I yes. just. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that may change come Saturday. Let's see what the halftime score is. I might have to jump out into the fair and grab one of those beers real quick. <laughs> man, I tell you, dude, if they, if, gosh, man, if Davis Bevel's a starting quarterback and they, they come out trying to run freaking three plays every 30 seconds, I might throw my, my remote through the TV. You're going to have to get some of that, uh, that packing, those packing blankets and put it all around your TV and get some sort of film so you don't end up breaking it on accident. Actually, TVs are pretty cheap these days, so you can probably afford to break yours. Yeah. I'd prefer not to. I really like my TV. Okay, <laughs> we're done. We're done here. We're, we got to move on. <laughs> all right. Well, again, hopefully we're all super surprised come you know, mid to late Saturday afternoon. And if we're not, well, I guess we all told you so, but I'm sure a lot of you listening are probably on the same page that Grant and I are going into this game. We'll be back on Sunday to talk all about whatever the heck happens at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. <laughs>